Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Um, uh, and and uh, we're going to be going through the Beatitudes at a snail's pace because each Beatitude is exceptionally rich. Um, so while, while you're turning there, I, I once heard a story of a young man in ministry who jokingly said in a meeting, God sure is lucky to have saved me. While he may have been joking at the time, actually this ended up playing itself out in his life and ministry. Uh, he made himself the focus of everything, and God kind of remained in the background as a supporting cast member in his story. Um, he made himself into a brand, himself, mind you, refused to acknowledge that any idea of his could have ever been done or thought of by someone other than himself. Uh, and his bullheadedness actually created a very successful ministry by the world's standards. It looked very nice. Um, it, it had a really polished feel to it. Um, and, but overall, it was really superficial. He couldn't keep anybody um, in, in, in a staff. He, he didn't have any pastoral skill, although um, in terms of like actually like being there for people when they were hurting, um, he, uh, he sent others to do that as much as, and that's, that's healthy in a lot of churches, like especially, especially if it's a big church, like you got to have elders that are really supporting the body more than just the pastor. But he, he, he didn't care for, for others. He really just cared for himself. And um, what was really disappointing is this became a model for other churches to follow. Uh, because again, it, lo it looked very successful. It was, he, he had, he, as he grew in age, the church grew in size and um, eventually had various campuses. And, uh, but, but what eventually happened is God uh, graciously deposed this man of ministry. Um, he shone light into the darkness of this man's soul and, and his selfish boasting manifested itself in really terrible ways. And people came out and spoke against this pastor who was no longer a young man um, for some of the things that, that he had done and the sins that he had committed. Um, and he got, again, deposed of his ministry. But this man, to this day, um, has been fighting for restoration to the ministry, but without restoration to his soul. Um, he claims innocence um, repeatedly and still uh, speaks ill of those who spoke out against him. Um, it's just some pretty extreme levels. So this story is actually not something I'm making up. It's, 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 it's a true story. It's a story of actually several ministers. Uh, these last couple years, there's been a number of men that God has, has, has really shown um, for, for their hidden sins and has um, set them out of their ministry. I could give you a list of names, but it's not really worth it. Um, it, it ministry's hard, but but any Christian needs to needs to recognize that they're not the focus of the story. So uh, before we read our exceptionally long Bible passage today of Matthew five five three. Um, Last week, we were introduced to the Beatitudes, and we, we discovered that a Beatitude is from the Latin word for, for blessed or happy. Um, that's, that's what each one of these starts with in the Greek, is the Greek word makarion. Um, and, and the Latin, though, is, is a word from which we derive the English word beauty. 
which is, is so good to the eyes that it blesses you or makes you happy. That's the sense of the word beauty. So these, the blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, they're, they're all the beatitudes, meaning that they're all good and they make us happy and they, 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 they're a blessing from God. Um, we also learned that the Sermon on the Mount, the next two chapters of Matthew, are filled with kingdom principles for kingdom citizens. So again, our text today is Matthew 5.3, so let's focus on it. It's, it's a simple verse, but it sure is rich in content. Um, go ahead and look in your Bibles with me. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So what, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Poor is not necessarily considered a good word. Um, it, it's not considered a good word in, in, in terms of your monetary value. It's not considered a good, good word in terms of your skill level. Um, if, you're, if you're an accountant and somebody says you are really poor at arithmetic, probably not a good sign. Um, so in, in terms of poor in spirit, what that actually means is, is that um, is, be, uh, yeah, being poor in spirit means that we have to or means to recognize, not that we have to, we do have to, but being poor in spirit means to recognize our complete and utter poverty before God. This is actually the very first mark of being a Christian. And that's one of the wonders of Jesus putting it first in the Beatitudes. It means that you've admitted that you know you haven't lived a life worthy of salvation. And it also means that you still don't always live a life worthy of salvation. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. You recognize that you are impoverished before God. And this really goes against our modern self-affirming culture where, where we tell ourselves, um, I am wonderful, I am worthy, I'm strong, I'm successful. And actually, in, in, in recent days, uh, perversions of Christianity, or ver versions, but perversions of Christianity, predominantly made in our own country of the United States of America, have capitalized on self-affirmation and tried to start marketing the fact that that's what Christianity is about. It's all about you. It's, it's all about me. And they've actually convinced people that that's what Christianity is about, that it's all about me and my preferences and my likes and, and, and me feeling great about myself. And don't get me wrong, that's, that's an effect of Christianity, but it's not what it's about. Christianity is not about us. It's just not. So when we talk about being poor in spirit or impoverished in spirit, um, we're, 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 we're talking about somebody who, who admits that they really bring no value in and of themselves to God. Why? Because God is completely self-sufficient. And this is hard for us to break out of in, in our own personal narratives. You and I, we live, we, we live day to day in our own heads. We live day-to-day -day in our own lives. We live day-to-day -day in our own struggles, in our own trials, in our own successes. But folks, we, we don't bring anything to God in terms of value. 
You and I don't. Nowhere in the Bible are we told that God actually needs people. We're told that God created mankind. We're told that God redeems mankind, that he provides for mankind, that he loves mankind. But in terms of God needing people, we're actually told the exact opposite. If you turn to Acts 17, you'll find uh, Paul makes, makes a very clever statement. And Acts 17 is, is a very good evangelistic message. Um, Paul is actually in Athens. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. But Paul is in Athens. Um, he is standing before very wise people, and he notices this, this, uh, this image. Um, and they, uh, they, give him, they give him the ability to, to speak. Um, so Paul stands before the Areopagus, um, and which, which is essentially the gathered community of, of philosophical elites. And then comes verse 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by, made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. See, God doesn't need us, but we need God. Our life, our breath, our everything is from him. So God is self-sustaining. God doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need anyone but himself. It's one of the, one, one of, one of the great things, or great, uh, not great things, but the great puzzles of, that theologians have been wrestling with for a very, very long time is, is how does the Trinity function? We know that God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are all distinct persons, but they're one being, and somehow they're self-sustaining. They existed before there was anything. The three of them existed. The one being of God existed. And they existed fine. But God created all things. All things for his glory. But he's still self-sustaining. If you're not convinced by what Paul says, if you turn to Psalm 50, you'll, you'll read a similar thing. In Psalm 50, God is actually rebuking Israel for, for acting like he needed their offerings and their sacrifices. God doesn't need anything. He's completely self-sufficient. He's the one, uh, the one who every beast of the forest belongs to, the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm sure you've heard that verse before, but that's Psalm 50, verse 10. But God is saying that, actually saying, listen, I own everything. I don't need your stuff. I don't need you. And then in Psalm 50, verse 12, it says, if, if he were hungry, he would not tell us, for the world and its fullness are already his. If God, eat, if God ate food, the whole world is his pantry. He doesn't need to go to the store. But God doesn't eat food in the sense that, that, that he just picks up a cow and eats it. That's not, that's not God. But God's making a very clever point that, that everything is his already. And he doesn't need us. So we're not needed by God as Christians. We're not needed by God, but we are wanted by God. The Apostle Peter 
reminds us in 2 Peter 3.9, he says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So God's wish, God's will, is that his people would call on him. That they, that, that they, they, would, they would see themselves as sinful and that they would cry out to him for mercy and repent. God wishes for us. He wants us. He desires us. So God doesn't need us, but we need God. Basic premise. That is the basic premise to being poor in spirit. So how, how do we respond to this fully sufficient, self-sufficient, self-sustaining, unendingly majestic and beautiful and wonderful God? We respond by recognizing our impoverishedness, and we're poor in spirit toward him. Uh, the great American revivalist, Jonathan Edwards, uh, once said this. He said, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. When we come before God, that's all we, that's all we have to bring is our, is our problems, our frailties, our sins, our, our, our detestable acts before him. And that quote is actually a really practical example of what it's like to be poor in spirit before God. The thought that, that the only thing um, I bring to the defendant's desk at the court of the Lord is my sin. It should actually bring us to revel at what great mercy God gives us in making us, in redeeming us, in loving us. It should, it, it, it should affect us so that we want him because he wants us. The example I gave at the beginning was, was, was really ripe with a number of issues uh, regarding accountability, re regarding biblical fidelity, re regard, regarding a number of things, but all of those problems stemmed from, from a single fact, that, that that man thought he was worthy to be saved. Why? Because of his brilliance, because of, because of his abilities, because of his strength for what he thought ministry was, for how God needed him. Friends, God doesn't need us. He could accomplish, he could accomplish whatever he wants. He could accomplish his word going out by a donkey speaking, like he did with Balaam, who was a false prophet. God can do what he wishes through whatever means he intends to, to do it with. He doesn't need us, but he desires us. So that man, he was proud in spirit. He was rich in spirit. But a person who's poor in spirit is someone who comes to God um, who doesn't try to declare their own worth to God, but someone who declares their own wretchedness and worthlessness to God. You see, a poor person recognizes their impoverishedness. Otherwise, they're going to meet lots of trouble. They, 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 a poor person who tries to be rich falls into debt. They suffer. They, they buy things that they can't afford. A, a person who's poor in spirit 
is somebody who stands before God and goes, I, 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 don't, I don't bring anything. I don't have anything to give you. But then God smiles at them and says, that's right, that's right, you don't. But I'll give you the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the riches of my kingdom. Friends, are you poor in spirit? I, 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 I want you to ask yourself that question. Am I poor in spirit before God? Have you ever stood before God in prayer and declared your worth? Or, or maybe the worth of your actions to him and tried to, tried to sway him into thinking that he needs to do something for you? God, I did this, 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 and this. You got to give me this. You got to give me this thing that I want. Or have you ever gone before him and said, you know what, Lord, like that guy, I, you know, you're lucky you saved me. Uh, I, I've done great things for you. That's somebody who's lying to themselves. If you have thought in that way that you could sway God's opinions by your actions here on earth, then you, you need to confess that sin of trying to be rich in spirit before God um, and, and you need to repent. This God who owns everything, who, who is true richness in himself, if you've tried to stand before God a creation made from the dirt that he made and defend that you're worthy, then you need to repent. See, God doesn't keep us because of our necessity. I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that keeps things uh, because I might need them, right? I've got, I've got a, a collection of cables. When my wife and I were married, just a little bit of time, she looked at all my computer stuff and said, you need to whittle it down to fit in this box. Um, it was a bin. I think it's got three drawers. I haven't seen it in a number of years, except for it's over in the parsonage right now. But, but she said, you need to make everything fit into this. And this bin that's probably about this tall was probably, uh, probably half of the computer cables and devices and doodads that I had. I mean, I had cables to things that, like, honestly, uh, I'd be surprised if I ever saw that, that, that connection again. Like S-Video. You guys don't know what S-Video is, probably. And that's totally fine because it's dead. It was a dumb, it was a dumb design of a cable. Uh, it broke all the time, and this guy had a collection of them in case they broke and I needed to use them. I tend to think of things in terms of their, their necessary use, and in that way, honestly, after watching a few episodes of Hoarders, I, I, I feel significantly worse about myself, but, uh, but, but I, 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 am in, I am in that way a hoarder. I'd rather keep the object in case I need it um, then get rid of it because I, I really, in the back of my mind, know I don't. All those cables, man, they got thrown away. I think I have one S-Video cable in there, but again, I haven't seen it in a number of years. I know I've got some coaxial cables if anybody needs to connect a TV, but you get a free one every time you sign up for internet service or something. Anyway, it's, it, it, it's, it's beyond the point. I tend to collect objects because of their possible necessity um, but that's not how God collects and keeps us. God collects and keeps us, not because of our worth, but because of his love for us, despite our lack of worth. And that's 
in, in terms of being poor in spirit, that's really the gospel truth that we need to embrace here. The, 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 the good news that our hearts really need to hear is, is that, that by being poor in spirit, um, somebody who's not poor in spirit tries to, tries to always self-aggrandize, make everything about themselves in, in terms of how awesome they are. Um, and and, and they, they, they tend to defend their actions and they have a goal and they'll trample on whoever they need to trample on to get there. They, 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 they have a tendency to um, not be in any capacity loving. That's somebody who's rich in spirit. You ever meet somebody who um, every conversation becomes about, uh, about their feelings or, or, or maybe how you've stood against them all this time and meanwhile all you were doing was talking about hot dogs. That's, that, that's somebody who needs to take this verse and they need to examine their hearts. And I don't know, maybe that's you, because I can promise that's me. I can promise that's me a lot, and there is tons of repentance that I need in the Christian life. And that's one of the reasons that we have each other, although not now, I have pictures of you, um, but we, we, we have each other so that we can, we can stand before each other and go, hey, brother, sister, <laughs> calm, calm down. You know, what, what does God's word say? How's, how's the Spirit been leading you in this? But the truth is that we are not necessary to God, and that's actually good. God could accomplish everything that he intended to do, but in, in his grace and mercy, he decides to include us. That's freeing. It's not, it, it, if, if your pride is hurt in hearing that, repent. Because I know my pride's hurt, and I need to repent. To know that I'm not necessary for God's great and wonderful plan, really that should make me happy to know that I'm not essential. But it hurts in some capacity. But in reality, it should be freeing because, listen, if we had to prove ourselves to God, there would be no end to our attempts. It's like having that one boss that no matter what you do, they tell you, you could have done better. But that would have been God. So instead of just being a fallible man uh, that, that just is unwilling to accept that you've tried, God, if he were the standard and he said, hey, you need, to, you need to prove yourself to me, his ultimate perfection would mean ultimate defeat. His self-sustaining existence would prove the fact that our frail bodies that last maybe 80 years, that would bring judgment on us. You could never do enough good works because our good works are like filthy rags. Uh, you, could, you could never make a beautiful enough temple to house his glory. You could never do anything to satisfy his justice against you. We would be like children who have a parent who never smiles, who never laughs, who never gives a hug. If God were the type of God that said, you have to prove yourself to me. But he doesn't. God doesn't have a performance mentality. He doesn't demand your metrics at the end of the month. He's not looking for what we can do for him, wishing that we would do more. 
That's not God. Instead, he looks at us in our unworthiness, in our, re, in our heart reaction to being poor in spirit before him. He looks at us with love, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You could never be worthy of God. And that's precisely why he saves us, because we could never be worthy of him. Um, like I said before, recognizing your poverty before God, you, the fact that your abilities, he's, he's not saving you because of your abilities. I, I actually did hear another Christian at one point tell me uh, that you know, God needs to save more businessmen, otherwise missions isn't going to happen. That's ridiculous. That's, 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 that's absolutely ridiculous. And biblically, found, I mean, it's just, it blows my mind how wrong that is. God doesn't need to save anybody for missions to happen. He commissions missionaries, and he, he, he makes things happen the way he makes things happen. So, uh, like I said before, recognizing our poverty before him is freeing. Because if we try to live outside our means, in terms of monetary poverty, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt us. Imagine a person who gets into legal trouble, and they hire a lawyer who's super expensive. But then when the retainer runs out, or when the first bill is collected, the person says, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> my worth isn't actually in dollars. Uh, my worth is in the fact that I'm worthy of having you as my lawyer for free. You think that would go well? Because when we're rich in spirit toward God, that's kind of what we're saying. Or imagine a person who goes to a car dealership and who somehow manages to buy a brand new sports car. Maybe their credit's really good and they convince them that they're a businessman or something. Uh, it's got every addition possible. But then when the first payment comes due, they refuse to pay it, saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I deserve this car. Have you ever said that about your salvation? No, 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 I deserve this. I deserve God's mercy. It'd be far easier to recognize your poverty before God, to, to realize that you can rest in his grace, rest in the fact that you have a debt you could never pay to him, that you could stand before him acknowledging your poverty, and yet he still tells you, Blessed are you. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit because you're a citizen of my kingdom. Again, we contribute nothing to our salvation, no extra worth to God. The, the, the multitudes of people in heaven that are praising God don't add to God's, God's, God's self-sustaining existence. But God, God loves to be worshipped because he loves us. The, the only way we contribute anything to the kingdom is based on God's kindness toward us. To let us do things alongside him. To let us do things that bring him glory. That's why I pray personally, Lord, please, let me glorify you today. I have to ask him to do that because I can't do that of myself. So are you poor in spirit? 
Do you have a sense of your own poverty before God? Do you have a sense that you are unworthy of salvation, but he still saved you? Praise him for that. Plead with him who is immeasurably and rightly and justly rich in spirit. Uh, he's the only one in all existence that can be rich in spirit and, and not be wrong in it. We are creations. He is the creator. But, but, but plead with him to strengthen and encourage you in your poorness in spirit. And you'll find, honestly, that there's a lasting joy in being impoverished before God. Uh, you'll find that throughout life's circumstances, which, continu which continually are awful, um, that, that there's an abiding hope, a lasting peace in God and his kingdom. Even though your world may come crashing down, being poor in spirit means that there's always going to be a tug of the Holy Spirit to rest in him, and that you get up as he gently lifts you, not on your own power and strength, but he gently lifts you up and you continue on the path that he set. That's what being poor in spirit does. Because the poor in spirit will be blessed, or I'm sorry, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not just talking something far away, man. I'm not just talking some esoteric, you know, pie in the sky sort of thing. I mean, you're at that point when you're poor in spirit, when you recognize your poverty before God, you joyfully march forward. Because no matter what happens, you've got, some, you've got someone who's taking care of you and who is providing for you to get into the kingdom. Here on earth and in eternity. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Again, it means that you recognize your complete and utter poverty before God. It's the first mark of being a Christian and the only path to lasting joy in Christ. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. So says Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I, uh, I have a tendency to um, let my pride puff me up. I have a tendency to um, reach out to you and to plead with you for things. And in the back of my mind and in the, the depths of my heart, somehow feel like I'm worthy of your answers. But that's not true. Grant me repentance. Grant, grant all of us repentance from such, such prideful boasting before you, O King of the universe. The Lamb who was slain. And yet... And yet I like to pretend that, uh, that I'm the one that, that um, oftentimes I, get to I like to pretend that I'm the lamb that was slain. But I'm no martyr, Lord. But may I, may I indeed recognize that I am impoverished before you, and may we all recognize that. May we take joy in it. May we be freed and embrace this gospel truth that we are unworthy. Remind us of that this week, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you poor in spirit? If, if so, then the Lord has done a wonderful thing in your heart and your mind to make you recognize that.
If you had everything to give the Lord, it would never be enough. We have very little to give him, and he accepts us regardless, and he redeems us, and he helps us. Go in peace, saints.